robots, roll out. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Welcome to another exciting episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Hello. It is Monday. 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 And we have an amazing uh, interview for you. We have uh, guest author Brandon Sanderson coming on the show here in just a moment to talk about his new book, The Bands of Mourning. If you haven't picked Wait. up uh, Shadows of Self or any of the other Mistborn books, definitely do so. So uh, let's get Brandon on. Hold on, hold on. Hello? Yeah. I can hear you now. Can, can you hear us? I can hear you. All right. Sweet. We we had we had a small reactor leak down here. Okay. Okay. Hold on. All right. We good now? We oh, are. So. Awesome. Okay. Right. Wonderful. Okay. He's just adjusting a few things still. We, we good. We okay. Good, soundboard. Got to adjust. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Cool. Well, thanks. Hey, thanks for taking some time out of your day to to talk to us. My pleasure. Is that Revan right there? Hello. Did we lose him already? Hello? Hello? Okay, there we go. (laughs) Sorry. I cannot plug that in. Do not plug that in. That, like, melts us down. Don't break the rules, Dan. Yes. All right. I I was just saying, thanks for taking some time out of your day to to talk to us about your new book. My My pleasure. pleasure. I'm I'm always always willing to join you guys. Yes. So, um... Should we just jump in and start talking? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. We're kind of a podcast. I feel like that's what we do. It is what we do. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. You know, Brandon does a podcast, too. Uh, Writing Excuses. Okay. We're all professionals here. Yes. This is good to know. Except for Theirs is a lot shorter than ours. Ah. Yeah. 15 minutes. They're in and they're out. Yep. But hey, how, how long am I going to be on, guys? Um, twenty minutes. Six hours. Is that good? Six about? hours. <laughs> <laughs> we need well, my class would be very annoyed if I were here for six hours. Twenty minutes sounds great. Okay. Let me get the the voices down. Revan, you're the you're the one I've been talking to most. Who are the other two? So uh, we actually have three others. So uh, yeah. the female, uh, lovely lady, Jessica. is Jessica. Okay. And I'm Jared. Nice to meet Jared. you. Jared. Okay. Okay. Nice to meet you. And McKay. Yep. McKay. Okay. Yes. Sweet. So. So good luck with that. You're probably yeah. <laughs> only going to be able to tell me apart. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be able to tell Revan because I've yes. uh, chatted with him, with him a whole bunch. Yes. Um, it's been it's been a long ride. Uh, mm-hmm. That that was way back in conduit years. Yeah. Yeah. Many yeah. years. That's when we were very starting out, and the thought of doing an interview was scary. And now it's like <laughs> now it's like normal. It's, it's crazy. But, so, you know, Bands of Mourning is out. It's available. Uh-huh. It's on the shelf. Uh, it is the sixth book in the Mistborn series, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. And it's the third out of four books that you're planning on doing with Wayne and Wax, correct? That is correct. Wow. So, with since there's been such a huge gap, I mean, there's like four years between Alloy of Law and Shadows of Self, was it difficult kind of returning to Scadriel and trying to jump back into those shoes? 
Yeah, actually, um, there's a story here. So while I was working on A Memory of Light, about a year or so after writing Alloy of Law, I sat down and started working on um, Shadows of Self. Um, when I had moments where books were turned in and I was waiting for an editor to get back to me, I always liked to be working on something. So I started uh, working on that, but then revisions came back and I had to drop it. And so several years later... It was finally time to get back to this, and I had written maybe twenty or 30,000 words, so about a third of the book, and I tried to jump back in, and it was actually really hard at that point. Um, I found this happens to me in my writing quite often. If I get part of the way through something and stop it, it's much harder to get going again than it would be to just start something new, and after pounding my head against that one for a while... I went back to my outline and said, well, I'm just going to try doing the next book, uh, Bands of Mourning. I had a nice outline for these for these three books. What happens is I wrote Alloy of Law, and I liked it, and so then I built a trilogy of the same characters. Um, so I had that outline I could go back to, and I sat down and I wrote Bands of Mourning, and that went really well, starting uh, kind of a little more fresh. It was very helpful, and once I was done with that, I was able to go back and finish up Shadows of Self, then being back in the world and the characters. Uh, and that's the story of why they're getting released so quickly. Okay. Uh, the Shadows of Self came out in October, and this one came out uh, just this week. Wow. So that's not much of a gap. And it's because I turned the two books in at once and said, hey, surprise, you get two books. And the publisher, being the publisher, said, well, Brandon's books earn a lot of money. Let's not wait and publish the second one. Let's put it out as soon as we can, uh, which has caused actually some pretty big headaches over here. At, uh, at my company because we were expecting Bands of Morning to come out this fall, um, and then suddenly it comes out in January instead, so revisions were a lot more demanding, and getting the artwork done in time and these sorts of things was, uh, was a real challenge. May the force be with you, my friend. That's that really crazy. Well, I'm glad to know that I'm not the only one, that if I haven't touched something with writing consistently and I have to come back later, that it's difficult to get back into that into the writing yeah. of that. So. Well, I mean, like a lot of people feel like it, they don't really understand the process in which, you know, art is created because writing is art. Yeah. You know, what <laughs> we do, filmmaking is art. And a lot of clients that I work with just kind of expect you to pick something up and just get going. Like, we're not yeah. button pushers. You have to be inspired. You have to be in a creative environment. Yeah. There's a lot of or different things crap. that go into it. Yeah. It's very, like... And if they push so much on you at the same time, it does show in your work. That's why here where I work, you know, there is tons of nerd stuff everywhere because I feel like I need that environment. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, just to jump back into it can be difficult. So I totally get you, dude. I totally get it. <laughs> you know, for me, momentum is a big part of this. Yeah. If I have momentum on a project, um, it's this weird thing where the better the project is going, the faster I'll work on it, the, and the more I'll think about it, the more it'll get, you know, it's, it's little um, tentacles and tendrils into my brain, and I'll be solving the problems in the story while I'm eating my breakfast or whatever, and if I can just get completely immersed in a story, um, the story is always better for that. Uh, and so, momentum, right around the one-third point, is kind of one of the worst things that I can do. Yeah, that's totally understandable. Does it feel weird, like, after so long coming back, like, getting reintroduced to these characters or, you know, bouncing back into the process? Because, I mean, you've, what, it's like the sixth book? I mean, these characters have to be, like, somewhat a family in your mind by now. I was going to say, now. it's like seeing old friends. Yeah. Like, 
And yeah, I'll it's 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 not as hard. That part's not as hard as you might think. Um, I have some some grand plans for the the expanded you know connected universe of my books, and so I know where each one fits in, kind of slots into the pieces. Um, where where it is a piece slots into the whole. I mean, and so coming back. It takes a little while to refresh yourself, but at the same time, um, that's what you do as a writer. You learn to jump between books. Uh, as long as you don't give them too much time, you're usually okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. Now, was it really was it intentional putting in kind of the little teasers or Easter eggs to the original trilogy throughout the storyline with these books? Oh yeah. When I originally pitched this uh, the Mistborn series to my editor, I talked about this idea that. I wanted to do an epic fantasy trilogy and then have more modern books where the epic fantasy trilogy became the foundation of mythology and religion and lore uh, in the world. That was really exciting and interesting to me. So, so yeah, that was, that was kind of the plan from the get-go. It's one of the things I hadn't seen done very much in fantasy, and so it excited me. Uh, the idea that the original characters could be the foundation of religion in a modern setting was just really fascinating. Um, and I wanted to build on that and have these references because, you know, that's, that's their history. That's their, their, their equivalent of, you know, their culture is built around this. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I did like that, and you know, I, li- I like there are several references back to Vin and Kelsier and uh, even Spook with being the Lord Mistborn in that. So, see, that's exciting. I hear it, you know, through you, obviously, yeah. but people have been, you know, dedicated to these books for years. Yeah. And to throw it back to some of the first ones, it's like, you know, that kind of it's throwing a little treat back to the people who have been around so yeah. long. And I, you know, it's hard not to get excited about yeah. that. You know, even in like movies like Star Wars and stuff, it's just like, oh yeah, I remember that thing. And, oh yeah, I remember that thing. You yeah. know, it's just the nostalgia is definitely fueled. One of the fun things I was able to do is while I was writing the original Mistborn trilogy, um, I put in some some very interesting and subtle clues to some things that were happening behind the scenes. Um, that once I finished Sands of Morning. I was able to go back and write this out, and so I, I actually released a, a novella um, this week in conjunction with Bands of Morning. But I'm not doing a lot of publicity for. Um, you kind of just have to find it on accident or by reading the ends of Bands of Morning, uh, the new book, which lists, hey, go look for this thing. Um, and what it is is the parallel novel to the original trilogy that, uh, that follows some behind-the-scenes stuff that eventually is, is coming to fruition in Bands of Morning. And so... Once people read that, they can jump back and read this one, and uh, it's, it's been a very fun experience doing that. These sort of little secret things I can do when you have a connected uh, universe and world like this. Man, i got to get through this book so I can go get that one. <laughs> oh, I, I love the book series. So now with uh, kind of the huge kind of emotional conflict that you ended uh, Shadows of Self with regarding Wax, right. I mean, does that come into play a lot in this next book in Bands of Morning? Yeah, it does. It's one of the central themes. Okay. Um, and I don't want to say too much to, to risk spoilers, but um, I consider these two books uh, kind of companions. Okay. Um, the they're 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 bookends to one another, and so a lot of the things that uh, that a lot of the um, the dealing with issues from the from Shadows of Self is um, comes up in this one. Nice. 
There so, I, I don't know, like, in the storytelling process, you know, I mean, obviously Jess is a writer and she does a lot of screenplays and stuff like that. When we're going through the process of it all, there's so much, especially with worlds like what you've created, it's vast and, and, and there's so much detail behind every single little thing. You know, how difficult is it to narrow it down into so many pages? Because, I mean, obviously the ideology, uh, ideology goes beyond those pages of the book. Well, it's it's, it's kind, kind of... of the thing you learn to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you learn to make a story and keep it within its scope, and that's that's part of the practice of being a writer. Um, and so, is it hard? Yes and no. It's mostly one of those things that you learn to do over lots of time. Um, I, I often mention the fact that I that I wrote many novels before I got published, and that's not really to brag, because it's not much to brag. Uh, there are people who started this business, into this business, much better at it than I am. But the, the idea is that the more you write, the more you will learn to do by instinct, and once you are doing things by instinct, you can then turn your conscious mind tackling more and more difficult problems. You can learn how to do different things because you know that brain space is open. Your your subconscious is handling some of the the hardest issues, and you then uh, your conscious can work on other things. And and that's really what goes on with this. Um, and it's one of the reasons why practice as a writer is, is so important and so helpful. Uh, learning how to do all of this so that you can get good enough at it. To try other things. Do you feel a huge change in yourself between the first and the sixth books? Because obviously you're a seasoned veteran now. Like you've got this experience under your belt. You know, does it become easier with each book that you write, or do you think that just you know the thought process becomes more I don't know deep, and you're able to tap into these things that you maybe didn't in the first books, or you know so on and so forth? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely becomes easier. Um, the more you do it, the easier it will be. At the same time. You are probably stretching a little further as you're trying them. So the books won't get easier, but certain aspects about the storytelling do get easier. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I feel like I would just kind of in in more of a fantasy where I feel like I would just be completely overwhelmed and consumed trying to get the logistics of every detail and like well she wrote it's just a, amazing she wrote a short film called uh, Black Blood and it was like this steampunk meets zombie meets like uh, <laughs> old western kind of stuff and she just she had the hardest time narrowing it everything down well and the thing is is like we had only it was a it was like a forty eight hour but you get like a week like a five day film festival so you have to uh-huh. write everything film everything in a week and like it was just like he kind of had to look at me and say all right we have to move on not everything can be logistics like you have to but for me it's like even with spaceships flying everywhere and and all of these amazing advanced technologies that don't exist or could never exist it's still I still have to have Logistics, it still has to make sense. It still yeah, has to be... Of it. Right. It still has to be believable that this thing would be in this time, and you have to tell me how it will be powered. And I have to believe that that is possible. It can't just be something that you say, hey, you know what would be really cool if we had in this world? Let's do this. Let's just do like a like a flying table. Well, okay, well, how does it work? <laughs> you know, I mean, like, you have to have that. And so, like, 
it's insane to me that you're able to create these worlds because for me, it's just, I would spend so much time just trying to make everything make sense. And, and I don't know that I could, I think I would just be overwhelmed yeah. by everything. Yeah, like I said before, I mean, Brandon, I have to imagine there's a lot of stuff in your brain to make, you know, everything function the way it does in the books that maybe hasn't made it on the page, but it's necessary to figure that stuff out. Yeah. You know, we were watching a face off last night and there's this guy and his only job in Hollywood is to make up languages for movies. <laughs> Yeah. And, like, 5,000-word languages for aliens, things that have never existed. And he has to literally – it has to become a language. Yeah. Like, it has to have the the words and, and the fluency, and it has to – all the syllables and everything like that. And I just think I, – I can't imagine, like, doing something like that. And it's just amazing how some people have a, a really good talent for it and enjoy it. And then you have people like me, even though I love to write and I'm a writer, I can't even imagine. Well, I mean, that's one of the So our hat is off to you, Brandon. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> that's incredible that you're able to do that and just kind of continue, you know, six books and keeping that world. Um, well, the really cool thing about the magic system in, in this particular world is it's really based around physics. He's really made sure yeah. that, you know, if you're pushing against Putting someone, you know, if, and, if they're a lot bigger than right. you, you're the one that gets pushed instead of that person. Like, so and you that's have to what I'm talking about yourself. with the yeah. logistics. It has to make sense. It has to be something that could logically happen yeah. in your world. And you've done such a great job with that. Oh, this would make such a cool video game. I've heard stuff about <laughs> that, right? Now, I've heard, I've heard rumors that there is going to be a video game. Possibly. We've been working on one, um, but video game industry is a um, seems like it's almost as is uh, hard to get things done in the video game industry as the film industry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we've had some successes and some uh, setbacks. Um, I don't know if the game will actually come out um, or not. I mean, the company, the guys are doing it are great. It's just. There's been so many problems with uh, with this part of the company or this engine or things like that. So it might happen. It might not. Um, I'm hopeful still. Yeah. Uh, on, on what you were saying before with world building, I just wanted to, to mention, you know, for those those aspiring writers out there who sat, hear that and say, oh, man, there's no way I could do that. I'm just out of it. Um, one thing to keep in mind is that the more you work on this, the more you start to realize that good world building is done in service of the story. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, is you focus your efforts. You say, what is the conflict of the story I'm telling? Uh, what is important to the characters? And how can I make that relevant and interesting um, while also maintaining its logical sense? And if you can focus your energy that way, then it doesn't matter as much to you for, for most books, for instance. You don't need to know the history of this hill that they're walking past. Um, what you need to know is what the character's belief system is because that's causing a crisis of conscience for them. Uh, so you need to have that religion built so that it works in the framework of the story. Whereas for a given book, you may not need the linguistics. Uh, there are books where I've, I've developed languages and there are other books where I said, you know what? They speak the equivalent of galactic common, right? Um, I'm not going to deal with the world building of the linguistics in this book because it doesn't matter. Uh, everyone's from uh, the same region, um, and the linguistics don't enter into what the conflicts are happening between the characters. So they speak the same language, they all know it, and I don't need to know what it is. 
because yeah. there's this thing called world builders disease that writers can get into where they get paralyzed by all the questions <laughs> and they spend, you know, I have a friend who wants to be a writer and he spent 20 years building his world that he's eventually going to write this story in. Uh, that's great if you're Grandpa Tolkien and you're a professor and on the side you're going to write this story, but you're really interested in the world building. Or if you're, you know, you're a GM and you're like, I just want to build a really, really cool world for people to, to go around in. And that's what is fun to me. It's no problem with that at all. But if you want to be a professional writer um, and you want to make your living doing this, you need to learn how to focus your efforts. Yeah, yeah I, I had to finally decide to jump in and just start writing. You know, because mm. you can spend yeah. all the time you in the world, in, you know, spinning in circles yeah. trying to build the world. And I found that just actually writing made it so the world built around it. So yeah, yeah. I think it comes to a point where like the story starts writing itself a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's important to figure that stuff out. But like you said, Brandon, you have to figure those characters out. You figure out their beliefs. Figure out what you know their their personality and stuff is like. Do you find yourself almost having the the story being being uh, written? by itself once you figured out how this character reacts, what they believe in, and stuff like that. Well, and then uh, when you make yeah. this world that that is, like you said, you don't have to do everything. You just have to do what's relevant to what's happening in the story or w w where you need it in the story. Um, the thing that kind of scares me, though, is just kind of when you write that second book and you're adding these little things and then you kind of have to go back and go, okay, now that I've built this, how do I make this work? You know what I mean? That's yeah, that kind of totally, me too. totally doable, though. It's, um, you know, if you can get your first book working, what I often say um, that, that at least works for me is you write the first book and you give yourself complete freedom to tell the story you need to tell. You world build where you need it. Um, then sit down and build an outline for the rest of the series. And if you have a solid outline for the rest of the series before you publish the first book, then what that means is you'll know which little things you need to seed in that first book so that you can do what you want to do for the, the second and third book. Um, and this works really well. It gives you that nice mix of freedom and spontaneity with a, a nice, solid outline by the time you're done. Nice. I like that. I like where this episode went. Thank you, Ryan. Like These are like really cool tips yeah. for anyone who really wants yeah. to write stories and, and, and build worlds. Like that, that was the left turn that I think was really awesome. And I, feel like, and I feel like most people do, even if it's just you know playing the games and creating the stories for the games. Like There's a lot of things that go into that as well. You may not want to write a novel. You just want to build a world for your set of friends, you know playing these uh, RPGs, yeah, RPGs, the RPG and games, and so that's a really cool advice for that as well. Yeah. So I have a couple of questions that we'll quickly ask before we, we let you go. Now, I know we kind of were introduced to a rival to Harmony uh, that's coming from somewhere else in the Cosmere. Um, are we going to see maybe more hints, or are we actually going to see this character show up in this next book? Did we lose him? That is a read and find out. <laughs> uh, it's a read and find out. All right, that's fine. Yeah, uh, yep, that's what Robert Jordan's fa favorite phrase to tell fans is um, if he didn't want to answer the question, he said, well, that'll be a read and find out. Um, that just really means is uh, I'm not going to get spoilers on that right now. No, that's not, no, no problem at all. That just gives everyone something to look forward to. So, and then, you know, 
<laughs> this, this is kind of more of a personal question, though, uh, regarding this. When, doing the research for this particular series, because it kind of has that Western flair, did you go mm-hmm. – were you just spending time watching Westerns? And, uh, <laughs> and if so – I, I will admit that, I, um, that I, I, I dug out um, a copy of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly and said, all right, let's, let's – Let's watch some of this stuff. And, um, I mean, I'd seen it before. Yeah. Um, you know, the Western is one of those things that we, that has fallen out of favor, um, in kind of modern pop culture, which is kind of sad. I don't know. They, they got very repetitive after a while, but every once in a while you see something like True Grit come out. Yeah. It's just like a reminder of, hey, this was a cool time period with cool things going on. Um, the fun of the Wax and Wayne books is that they, they aren't straight Westerns because the story, as I pitch it to people, it starts now with law. It's like, you know, the, the grizzled sheriff, you know, Clint Eastwood type discovers that he has inherited his house title and has to move back to the big city and, you know, deal with the politics of a, of a bunch of squabbling noblemen instead of all the, the bandits out where he was. And so it's, it's a sort of fish out of water, um, sort of this kind of, you know, guy bringing the, the law of the, the roughs as they call it, try, trying to bring that into the city and, him trying to figure out where he fits in society now um, as this, you know, kind of uh, high society type who doesn't feel like he belongs there. Um, so it's definitely got some of the fun elements of a Western, but it's um, I would kind of use a, the model more of one of these kind of city police procedurals, um, a 1910s, 1920s police procedural, except they're starring a, a grizzled uh, sheriff. Nice. Okay. That's with cool. magic. Yeah, yeah. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Now, and not only that, uh, Elantris, you just reached the 10-year anniversary for, of Elantris being released. And uh, I mean, how does that feel to have, you know, it's been 10 years since the first book came out. And, Seasoned veteran. Right. Yeah. And, I, I keep just, having those these weird moments where I'm like, you know that author that I read when I was a teen that I thought was, you know, the coolest thing ever that was obviously dominant in the field and had been around forever. I go back and find out that their first book was published less than 10 years before I read it. And I think, oh, wait, I'm that now. Uh, you know, like David Eddings and Tad Williams and Rock Jordan were the people I was reading. And if I go back and look, I've been around as long as they had been around when I was reading their books, which is really one of these weird, you know, um, things that I've had in my head who these people were, these monoliths of the field, um, and yet I have more books out than um, they did when I was reading them. And so, yeah, it's strange. Yeah, it would have to be. I, 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 it would have to be surreal and at the same time just... How do you wrap your head around that? Yeah, I, I get emails um, from people who are like, "Yeah, I just, uh, I just graduated from college, and I've been reading you since middle school." Like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Right. You gotta start checking stuff off your bucket list, man. Yeah, that, that's Time's clucking down. Well, that's almost how it's like been with like me reading stuff from Tracy Hickman and, and Bob Salvatore, and then you know finally meeting them when I started the show, and it's like, wow, I've been reading you for that long, and I mean they just seem like normal guys. This show's right. like on the right, right track, though, yeah. bro. It's just like if you're finally getting where you want to be, and you're meeting your idols and stuff like that. Like we did that Star Wars fan film, and now we're talking to people from Lucasfilm that've given us all these kind of awards and stuff like that. You never know, so no. just do it, you yeah. know. And that's awesome. I mean, that's great. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've heard rumors that there might be a Reckoners TV series or movie coming. Movie? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we sold, sold the um, 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 we, we sold, sold the, the, the rights, rights 
to Fox with um, okay. Sean Levy's company at Fox. Um, and Sean Levy is the director of uh, Real Steel, um, which is a really great film awesome. if you guys haven't seen it. Um, it's, it's based on a Richard Matheson story. Uh, they did a really good job with that. Uh, he's done a bunch of other films um, like Night at Museum and things like that. Um, so they have the rights to the Reckoners, and, um, and they are they have a screenplay, um, and that's where it is. Cool. Wow. Now that would be awesome. I mean, that's kind of cool. I mean, there's been a lot of local authors, uh, you know, or, or Scott Card, James Dashner, Dan Wells. They've all kind of been able to get onto their stories onto the big screen. So I mean, that's got to be kind of yep. a great feel as well to have that. It would make a really good film. Oh, I would be excited to have that happen. Uh, James and uh, Dan both beat me. Uh, Shannon beat me. Uh, everybody else has their films out, and I don't have one. So, so it would be awesome, but at the same time, you can't tell what Hollywood's going to do ever. So you just got to smile and hope they, they do a good job and hope that they involve you. And if they don't, you you know, cash the check and, <laughs> and then go back to writing books. So real quickly, we're almost done. What do you do? You know, the writing's done for the day. It's time to relax. What do you do to try to relax besides playing magic? Is there any special? Well, you know, listening to Dungeon Crawler's radio, obviously. Yeah. We got to um, send him a gift basket or something now. <laughs> I hang out with my kids. Um, that's, you know, there isn't a lot of time between writing and being a dad that's yeah. left over. Um, you mentioned magic, which is kind of my hobby. Um, I'll occasionally go watch a streamer on, on Twitch. Okay. Um, and that's, that's fun. That's a nice, uh, relaxing thing. Um, but I don't, you know, I'll have more time for this once I don't have three little boys, um, and things like that. Like my yesterday, my free time was building a Pinewood Derby car. Nice. Yes. Yeah. We built a Batmobile Pinewood Derby. My mom ah. was like, I want the Batmobile. And I'm like, what? Mine's <laughs> <laughs> a little easier. We, um, we drilled out some holes. Hot boot some um, some Legos in there and then built Legos around the whole thing. So it's just a big Lego spaceship with uh, Steve from Minecraft sitting on the top of it. So spaceship, Legos we can do. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So um, again, you know, everyone can find the book. It's it's out everywhere. Uh, yep. I'm, uh, in hardback as well as audiobook. I'm assuming. Yes, it is simultaneously. I um, audiobook. Uh, ebook, hardcover, um, all over the world. So, yes. So you can run out and grab it anywhere. Your local bookstore, which where I'd suggest, or even Amazon. Are there audiobooks of the original trilogy? Oh yes, all on Audible. I want to get into those. Um, Yep, every they're all on Audible. My favorite ones though are the graphic audio ones. So, Mm. uh, I don't. Are all three of the first? All three of the first ones are on graphic audio, I believe. And graphic audio, for those who don't know are audiobooks that are um, full cast. Yeah. So each part is read by a different person, and so it's a hybrid between like a radio drama and a, um, an, an audiobook novel. Yeah, audiobook. I love them. I love them. You know, there's a fight scene, you're hearing swords clashing, and you hear people screaming. It's amazing. We need to wrap this up so I can get on Audible. Yeah, I heard Elantris that way for the first time, and then went to listen to the audiobook, because, yeah, it just wasn't the same. 
It sounds yeah. epic, though. But all right, well, thank you again so much for your time. Uh, so everyone, run out, grab this book. If you haven't read the series, you know, pick up the series as well because it's well worth your time to read. And listen to Brandon's wise words. All those on writing excuses. Yeah, writing excuses. And if you're really into it, uh, writing, you can look up my YouTube lectures. Um, my Brigham Young University writing course, um, I record and post on YouTube. What's your YouTube channel? Um, you know what? Someone else posted these last ones. So um, if you Google Brandon Sanderson lectures, you get them really easily. Or you can go to brandonsanderson.com slash writing dash advice, and we link them there. Sweet. The internet has some free knowledge for you people. Yeah, BYU posted these last ones, so I think it's on one of their their things. So Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Well, there's some great free advice uh, for those aspiring writers, and it's well worth the time. And, you know, if you want to do it, I say just do it because that's the best way. Yeah, just jump into it. Yep. Okay. Well, with that, we're out. Have a great one, Internet. Thanks, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Brandon. Right. Great to meet You're you. Awesome. Thank, Thank you guys, guys very much. much. Have a good one. Yep, yep. bye-bye. Bye. Deadpool. Hey, Dungeon Crawlers fans, for those of you that have been trying to find our show, guess what? We've moved! That's right, we've moved to another location. All you need to do is go into your search browser, if that's iTunes, Stitchers, or whatever you're using, and search for Dungeon Crawlers. You'll see the new logo. New and, logo. And be able to see dragon. all of our episodes, all of our latest episodes, as well as the old episodes. Probably right now, all you're seeing is the old ones and haven't seen any new content, so that's the best place to go. So once again, just remember that all you need to do is do a new search for us, Dungeon Crawlers, on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere else you're looking, and find the new episodes. We're putting out three episodes a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and they're only 30 minutes long. That means you can sit and listen to us during lunch and not have to wait till later. Yay! I remember, look for the brand new logo. It's the Silver and Red Dragon logo. That is the new channel. Lots of fun stuff on there. And also make sure you check us out on Facebook. We have a lot of contests always going. Doing sweet prizes. Sweet nude prizes. Nerd stuff, geek stuff. And check out our, other, our, our older episodes on the new channel. We talk a lot of Star Wars, Pokemon, new movies, stuff like that. Pretty awesome. Yes, it's all there. Definitely.